All right, well, welcome to <coughs> Ministry Hangout with Greg Surratt. It's great to see you guys uh, this week and uh, just to have you on our Hangout as we are discussing uh, the role of the executive pastor. Pastor Greg, I'll throw it over to you just to tell us a little bit about what we do here. Hey, everybody. Uh, glad you're on with us at Ministry Hangouts. Um, this is just a podcast that we do a couple of times a month uh, to hang out and talk church. Uh, that's what I like doing. I know if you're involved in a area of ministry, you like getting together with people who are uh, doing a similar thing and just asking questions. I'm curious, so I'm going to try to ask your questions of today's topic. And uh, excited about today, we're going to talk to uh, some guys who are experienced in the role of executive pastor. And so, Sean, why don't you tell us a little bit about what uh, uh, who who our guests are? And then we'll jump in from there. Great. Yep. And just to remind everybody, if you want to ask a question live here, if you're watching with us, uh, you can hashtag uh, Ministry Hangouts, and we will see that. Also, it's available. All of our archives are available on ministryhangouts.com, as well as um, we have a podcast, as Pastor Greg mentioned, and you can get all the archives there, too. Well, we have got with us today... Uh, first is Kevin Stone, and Kevin is the executive pastor at Christ Church of the Valley and also um, runs the executive pastor online uh, blog and website and does a great job just coaching with uh, executive pastors all over the country. And he is up near Philadelphia where uh, I am sure this time of the year he's getting a little bit of a cold weather up there. And uh, then down below him is going to be where there's no cold weather. We have with us Mike Ash. And uh, Mike is the executive pastor at Next Level Church, and uh, Mike is in sunny Florida, enjoying the um, enjoying what what seems to be a rainbow behind him there. So we're excited about uh, we're excited about Mike and what he's got going in Florida. But we've got a great discussion plan just to talk about the role of the the executive pastor, the number two. And so uh, pass this on to uh, any executive pastors, executive directors. Uh, and then uh, operations guys and girls that you know in the church world. So it'll be a great archive uh, for them to listen to. I'll turn it over to you, Pastor Greg, as we uh, begin our discussion. All right. I probably should explain my um, my hat apparel today. Uh, I am a big Denver Bronco fan, uh, but was asked a few weeks ago to do the chapel uh, for the Indianapolis Colts uh, when they played the Broncos. And the prayer was so good. Uh, that the Colts won. So now I'm uh, sporting Colts swag from time to time. And uh, here in Charleston, it's actually cool outside today. So uh, we, uh, so, so, so anyway, I got, got my Colts hat on. <laughs> Listen, good to, good to have you guys with us. Let's talk just a little bit about um, the role of an executive pastor. What in the world is that? You know, I mean, uh, where is it? Is it I, I didn't see that in the Bible. Uh, you know, G, who is Jesus' executive pastor? Uh, you know, uh, of course, m many of our roles that we have today uh, don't necessarily have biblical terms. They have biblical principles uh, to them. But uh, what what is an executive pastor? Uh, Kevin, let me let me just ask you. You know, um, what does it mean? How do you define uh, what an executive pastor is? Wow, that's a uh, that that's a that's a huge question. Uh, basically, I don't know the way you know I get asked that a lot, and the way I uh, tend to answer it is uh, basically, you know, the the church as it gets larger uh, is a um, you know is a business. Uh, I hate to I hate to put it that way, but it's true. It's you know it's a people business. It's a business of accomplishing the mission for Jesus. And you know a senior pastor will, as uh, you know, uh, as they start the church and uh, the church begins to grow, the senior pastor will get to a point where they're like, okay, well this thing is getting large enough where I'm beginning to have trouble keeping track of everything, especially when a church will get to, you know, the point of buying land or uh, building a building or, or whatever. But um, 
and then they, you know, typically will connect with a business, a business person along the way, or have a desire to bring somebody in that has some understanding of, um, you know, stuff other than ministry, like you know, human resources, uh, facilities management, uh, finance, etc., and um, bring this person on and say, hey, you know, can you come on? Can you be part of our staff and help us to build the infrastructure and the systems and the processes and the methods and so on that it takes to help this uh, uh, this church to really grow and you know improve its capability to grow and that you know basically that's the executive pastor's role to come in as that you know that second chair that uh, person is alongside the senior pastor well Kevin what uh Give me your journey just real briefly. Uh, how did you land in a role uh, like an executive pastor? What what was the journey for you? Well, uh, you know, the short story, I'll do my best. Uh, for those that know me, I know that uh, there's no such thing as a short answer from Kevin Stone, but uh, I'll do my best. Um, Back in uh, 2000, I moved out here to Pennsylvania to accept a promotion to vice president of operations for a, a major uh, corporation. And uh, I came out here and uh, connected pretty much right away with Brian Jones, uh, who had recently moved out here from Ohio to start a new church. And um, there's a lot of details to that connection, but the bottom line is... We got connected, and, uh, and this is along about June, July of uh, 2000, and the first service that we had was in October of 2000 in a movie theater uh, right here along the 422 corridor right here, uh, suburbs of Philadelphia. And so I was the sound guy, actually, in the tech booth on that very first Sunday, and Brian recognized that uh, I, you know, I had the business background. I was... Uh, you know, a fairly senior level guy from the business uh, sector, and he and I started having breakfast and so on, and the next thing you know, along about 2001, he starts talking to me about, you know, hey, love to uh, uh, talk to you about the possibility of coming on staff at some point as an executive pastor, and I'm like, wow, that's executive pastor, that sounds like, like a great job for somebody someday, you know, good luck with that. And, uh, you know, because I, I didn't think that was me, but um, by 2004, um, both God and a, a lot of Brian uh, had convinced me that this was really something that I needed to be a part of. And accepted, I accepted the role in April of 2004 to become Christ Church of the Valley's executive pastor. And um, uh, so it, it was a, a long, what I'm skipping there is a a long series of breakfasts and meetings and uh, conversations and prayer and so on that uh, led to uh, me as a friend of Brian uh, becoming the executive pastor of this church and I can't I can't stress that enough that at least in my situation and uh, in many others that I uh, that I see around the country the role of executive pastor is somewhat organic. In other words, it's not it's not like something, it's not a job that you post in the newspaper and hire, you know, the top candidate. It's more of a a calling and somebody that uh, the the senior pastor uh, trusts uh, and you know begins to get involved at, a, at more and more uh, levels in the organization to. Uh, eventually occupy the role of executive pastor. Okay. Well, Mike, what about you? Uh, your senior pastor there is Matt Keller. Uh, Matt's a good friend of mine. Um, real, real quick, what's your journey? How'd you, how'd you end up uh, as an executive pastor at Next Level Church? That's a good question. We, well, we actually started the church in 2002, and I knew Pastor Matt in Indiana when we were there. I was 21 years old, and I threw myself on the back of his truck. And so I basically moved down to Fort Myers with them, 21 years old, had my AA, felt called to ministry, didn't know what that meant. And uh, I kind of threw myself on and we moved down. And so from the beginning, I guess, I'm not executive pastor, but I have been 
kind of that number two for multiple years. And so that's basically just doing whatever it takes. Just, just you know, I, I've been in everything from the youth pastor to the kids pastor to, um, and then a couple of years ago when we moved into our current facility, we were portable for nine and a half years. And so our church, we got up to about 900 people portable, and it was about right there. When we moved into our current facility, we've more than tripled since then. It just it's kind of blew up on us, which has been awesome. Um, but, but since then, and when we moved over and we kind of doubled in size right away and went through that process, that was when probably the official executive pastor like step that we had to take in order to get there. And so um, I've been with Matt, uh, Pastor Matt, throughout the whole journey and this whole process. And so that's how I got here. And so it's it's been more of a role for us that we've grown into it. So I don't have the business background. Um, it's all been learned as we go, figure it out, find some of those guys who are like way ahead of me, ask them a lot of questions, hope they answer them, hope they pick up their phone or answer their email when we're trying to figure it out. So, um, so for us, it's been growing into that role as we've gone through the process, but I've been kind of walking this journey with them ever since. So just playing every different, uh, every different role, I guess, uh, throughout the whole journey. So, so what, what's your, what's your role look like right now? What's a typical, uh, typical day, typical week? What do you do, Mike? Talk to me about that. Yeah, well, we, you know, I, uh, Darren Poley, who's the executive pastor at River Valley Church with Rob Ketterling, uh, he said it really well. He said that, that uh, Rob leads the church and he leads the team. And I think for us, that's a really good terminology. It's a very simplified version of saying that's what we do. Uh, pastor Matt, and he is the lead visionary. He's got the vision, the passion. Um, he knows what's next. He points at the mountain. Uh, for me, my role is primarily with our team. So I lead our directional team, um, and I, I, who are the, basically the department heads, the main department heads in our church. Um, and so I lead them, and I lead the staff and care for the staff um, and direct them, and really some of the day-to-day -day operations and the systems that we have going. And so um, really, it's, it's a, we've learned over the last 12 years a lot of working together and functioning, but man, he, I am, I, I am not much of a visionary. Like I'm, I am a, we can figure out anything, but you tell me the direction because I don't know the direction. He is such a great visionary direction guy. So in that process, it's, it's, it's organizing the team to move in the direction and then caring for. And so I think it's, I think it's leading the team and helping to uh, continue to create a healthy culture among our staff. So it has, my role has a lot to do. It's real heavy on the staff side. And the day-to-day -day operations stuff, too, as far as managing the budgets and doing some of that is also there. Uh, but my main role is really with the staff and the culture on our staff. So uh, let me just flesh that out just a little bit. Uh, so does that mean that there are a lot of meetings you're in that MatNet uh, doesn't necessarily go to um, that, that are staff-related? Or is he there also? or How does that work most of the no. time? No, I think you know. I think I found some, in, in in really trying to find those guys who are ahead of us and asking the questions on the executive pastor level. I think that senior pastors are all different. There are some who are super involved. That every one on one, the senior pastor is there. The directional team, everyone's there. Um, and then you have some that are a touch disconnected. You have some that are more and more. It's kind of you have the, such a wide range of of people. I think you can learn from all of them, but it's such a wide range. For us, uh, Pastor Matt, like I lead our directional team. He's not in that meeting. Um, we we have a, a we call it we call a senior leadership team. We're four of us. Where we're, we talk about some of the high high levels, but even just that's more direction vision. Um, but but some of the directional team that's more tactical. That's figuring it out. And even some of the presidential stuff, he doesn't necessarily have to be a part of um, because we are representing his heart in that. We're walking that out. So there's a lot of those meetings. He doesn't have. He only has a one on one with his assistant. Um, his wife is on our staff and with me, um, and so he doesn't do a ton of one-on-ones. He doesn't do reviews, uh, not really. I mean, he'll do mine, but he doesn't. For him, it's it's a, a touch more. I guess more. He's not he's not super involved as far as the the directional team want to be involved in the details um, and some of that. So I would say, yeah, there's a lot of meetings that I'm in that he's not necessarily in. Okay. Um, wh what about you, Kevin? Is it a similar uh, flow, similar role? Uh, with you and the senior pastor, what kind of meetings are you in? What kind of uh, how often do you meet with him? Kind of give me uh, how that works. Yeah, our our situation is a little bit different. Um, uh, Brian is um, uh, a lot more involved. Uh, he he has uh, a significant amount of uh, time that he will spend with each of our staff members, our department leaders, and so on. You know, talking about. Uh, ministry details and so on. We have a weekly staff meeting that uh, he and I both uh, conduct. 
that's on Wednesdays at noon. We have a meal together, and uh, we go from noon until about one thirty, two o'clock, and we talk about, you know, what, you know, I mean, you name it, any number of things. We'll go through the strategic plan, you know, from that level all the way down to, hey, what's happening this weekend, and are we ready? Uh, and so uh, so that's that weekly meeting that he and I will meet one-on-one -on, -one on Thursdays over lunch. He and I both uh, like sushi, so we'll tend to do that, you know, at our local sushi restaurant, which is a lot of fun. And I think that's very, very important, by the way, for a uh, relationship between senior and executive pastors to try to have some fun together on occasion. Uh, but um, uh, so he and I will talk about the, the very high-level stuff, any issues that we're facing, uh, any kind of uh, area, uh, uh, any issues or, or you know initiatives that he wants me to focus on over the next week or two. We'll talk a lot about that. Uh, but uh, but Brian will be uh, a lot involved in rubbing shoulders and uh, working. Uh, directly with a lot of our department leaders, but then on the other hand, he's not the day to the day to day, uh, you know, uh, guy that's going to be there to do the performance appraisals and uh, to work through all the uh, details of approval of expenditures and so on and so forth. And so he relies on me to do that. And so it's, it's a very interesting um, relationship relative to my experience in corporate America. Where it was a lot more, you know, chain of command oriented. You know, the the CEO would work, you know, through the COO to get directly to the people in operations and so on. Uh, the relationship that we have and that I've experienced as an executive pastor for the last going on ten years is more similar to that of the uh, captain and ship where. You know, the executive officer, technically, people on ship report to the executive officer, but depending on the situation that the ship is facing, the uh, captain will uh, be giving orders directly to the, the crew, not not through the executive pastor, although the executive pastor is right there, or the, I should say the, the um, uh, executive officer is right there. And so it's, it's a, a much different relationship than you would uh, see in corporate America in terms of the chain of command. So, so uh, Brian is very much a leadership guy, very passionate about evangelism, and um, uh, will reach out and touch someone directly with our staff as he feels he needs to, to um, emphasize something or call a staff member on an issue or whatever. And uh, he knows that I've got his back, and I'm right there with him. He's not out there initiating anything um, that uh, without talking to me first, but he's very actively involved in what's going on with each of our uh, ministry staff members. So um, there, you know, it's it's probably different for everybody. Obviously, there are different styles of leadership. Um, from you guys' experience. Uh, at what level, or well, even before we go there, what do you look for in an executive pastor? Let's say somebody's listening today and they're going, I feel I'm a little overwhelmed with some of the, um, you want to call it the business side, some of the, the strategic things or the, you know, the, the finance things that have to happen in a church. And I, I think I might need an executive pastor. What do you look for? Give me just one or two. Uh, qualities and Mike, why don't you nail that first, if you would? What uh, you're looking for an executive pastor? What are you looking for? It's a great question, and one or two is going to be an interesting mix. But uh, you know, I, I think you know, and again, I think this will change based on the role you need, and I think it does change based on the senior pastor, um, depending on the 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 involvement in some of that process. I think there, I think they have to be able to. Um, it, Kind of own the strategy or own the, the the systems that are happening in order to make the church happen. And so I think I think there's an there's a capacity thing in order to own the whole project and being able to do that and really just see the big picture. Um, again, you don't have to necessarily point the direction. I think you've got to be able to see the big picture and help orchestrate some things in order to get there. Um, and then I would say I would say the other thing that that so I think someone who just can see it and really can help make it happen, so that they're not necessarily the person. And not that they can't have ideas, they can't be that, but they can, man, when it comes down to it, they can just make something happen. I think, 
I think that so that they can like systems out. I think they got to think systematically. I think they got to think, um, and and then they also they have to be able to leave leaders. They have to they have to be able to give stuff away. You know, I think a lot of times we look at someone who's the rock star who can work incredibly hard, especially if you're just developing that. You're looking at someone who just can make it happen. I think there there's an element of being able to get things done through people, and I think an executive pastor has to be able to develop others. I think there is so much involved in leading, but I think the development of others is one of the biggest things. And I think when, when you start looking for an executive pastor, at least in, in for us, when we kind of grew into, okay, this, this position's changing to more executive pastor, I think that the knee jerk is on the business side, is on the financial side, which isn't necessarily bad. The business administrative side, um, I, th I think that's okay. And, and Dan Ryland, uh, he actually just wrote a wrote a blog. It's it's just danryland.com. But he but he talks about who needs an executive pastor. And he said, you know, there's this tension of the leading the staff and the business administrator side. And the tendency is that that you you kind of start off with the business administrator, and then you need the other side. But I mean, I'd say they got to have a good knowledge of some of that stuff. But I think there's a staff, and again, this is partially because my role is primarily with our staff. There is a developing of people that they have to be able to do to develop develop them to do it be comfortable with hard conversations, be okay with stressing them, growing them um, through that. So if, you, if those are two, if there are two, okay. it would be that, that leading leaders and the capacity to be able to, to, to lay out a, a, a process on how to get things done. So kind of, go ahead, Sean. Well, I was just going to say, I heard uh, Kevin mentioned one thing, and then Mike kind of mentioned a similar thing. A follow-up question, really, I guess, to both of you, but I'll start with Mike. Is, you, know, you mentioned this, this kind of this whole... Uh, the friendship, the relationship, the trust, um, and then sort of the Kevin, uh, uh, Mike. You actually mentioned something that sort of like you know the believing in the house, you know, knowing the house. H how important as you have this role is it that it be one that like both of y'all's sort of evolves a little bit because you have that. How important is the trust factor when you're when you're choosing that number two? If there's a senior pastor out there right now saying I need a number two, I mean, would you guys suggest just putting that out there and looking for it, or is this got to be someone that you first no trust, have a relationship with. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would say that has to be someone. I think. I think there has to be a trust that is built over time, obviously. But I, I think there has to be such a chemistry side with that person. It is that the cringe factor when they call you. Do you cringe when they walk down the hallway? You want to duck in the door? Just be like my thing. It's just because they're just because they're really smart or they're good at business. That is the competency side is not enough. You have to be able to hang out with them on your day off. Not that you should, but but hang out with them on their day off and they don't throw you into crazy work mode. They don't freak you out. They don't they don't drain you. They gotta energize you. I think there is so much to that because there is a you know trust is a foundation for all relationship. And so there is a trust side of it. And they have to that you have to trust them because in order for them to give you I mean and, and you know, Pastor Gray, I think both of you guys would know this, I mean it is your baby. I mean at best at best I'm an uncle and <laughs> maybe a babysitter. I mean it, I don't see there has to be such trust that you give to me and allowing me to run things and take your hands off and step away that man if you don't if you cannot trust that person you're going to give them the authority but not give them the responsibility and so there that has to be built you have to be able to build that trust and you have to be able to trust them with your child um, and, and just be able to walk away from it or else you'll stay continually tied to it and so you'll be you'll be the parent who's freaked out at date night because you don't trust the babysitter, um, and man, that doesn't work out very well. So you, I, I think trust is probably the foundation for it. All right. So um, basically, basically, Mike, uh, you said that you've got to be able to execute a plan, and you've got to be able to delegate. Um, uh, Kevin, is is there anything else that you would add to that? I'm looking for an executive pastor. What what characteristics am I looking for? You know, I uh, I get asked this question a lot, and uh, I'll, I'll have people contact me at executivepastoronline.com, and they'll, you know, hey, I'm looking to leave corporate, and uh, very I feel very called to you know be the business guy in the church, and you know, can you get me started? You know, how do I find an executive pastor position and I, I you know I, I would readily admit that my own personal situation you know taints my answer but man I mean the church is so important uh, the um, 
the the senior pastor you know is not just going to go put an ad in the newspaper and, and say hey I'm looking for a business type to come and be my executive pastor I mean that that's just not in my experience that's not the way it happens and so it, it's 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 so much more organic than that the the um, you know the the fur I just responded to one today actually um, a little earlier today uh, uh, a contact from my uh, website I'm like well the first thing you should do is get connected with your local church and and start serving and uh, you know maybe start serving in some of these areas where the church has a need like these you know administrative areas or these you know business areas or whatever and then and you know, hey, you should introduce yourself to the senior pastor, and maybe you guys can start working on a little bit of a relationship. Uh, but more, it's so much more organic that uh, the senior pastor would uh, have a relationship with the future executive pastor long before uh, he or she would ever trust uh, that authority and responsibility with this new person that they now are going to call executive pastor it, it's a uh, and, and I, I, based on my experience that's at what level at what level should uh, a church be looking at an executive pastor what do you think well it depends on the church but and, and it depends actually not so much on the church it depends on the senior pastor so you know if the senior pastor has uh, you know um, a significant bandwidth, can manage a whole lot, can do a whole lot of stuff, has a lot of experience, etc. They're going to tend to go longer before they need somebody in this role uh, versus a senior pastor that does not have a lot of that and they're going to tend to need this role sooner. And again, both of these scenarios assume that the church desires to grow and has a strategy for growth. And okay. so it, it's about enabling the church to continue to accomplish the mission and to grow and not and not to become internally focused and become stagnant and so uh, if the senior pastor has um, you know the bandwidth to support a significant amount of stuff you know I call it infrastructure development then that church is going to be able to go longer without an executive pastor but I, I think it, it it's you know like I'll give it a let me give it attach uh, some numbers 700 in average weekly attendance to 1100 in average weekly attendance you know I'll, I'll give it that kind of a range again depending on the senior pastor and their other wired really is what it boils down to um, let, let me uh, let me give you a little seacoast history because that's interesting that you have mentioned those numbers um, I am a pastor that doesn't have that kind of bandwidth. Uh, I'm, I'm narrow, narrow bandwidth on vision and teaching, and uh, have very little clue when it comes to, you know, the administrative part. And uh, so we started Seacoast, my wife and I, and she is um, uh, naturally wired up for administration, which is great. And but she's not, she doesn't have. Uh, real, you know, public leadership gifts. She's uh, more of a behind the scenes. So when there were just two or three of us, she kind of uh, helped with the administrative part. And then when we reached about 700 people, uh, there was a guy in the church that was in the business world that I was meeting and discipling, had a Bible study with. And uh, I said, "Would you, would you be interested?" And when he came on, it, <laughs> my marriage was like. Uh, you know, uh, it felt like uh, it went to the next level uh, in, a, in a good way because here was somebody that came in uh, that was able to really help in that area where my wife and I were carrying it all, carrying it all home. Uh, and, so, and so that was great. And then um, we continued to grow. And uh, when we got into the, the thousands, what we uh, saw is that an, a single executive pastor role uh, tended to bottleneck the uh, flow of information and so we had to look at multiple executive pastor roles and uh, then we began to uh, look at half timers uh, who had done very very well you know in, on, on their own in the business world loved our church 
uh, some of them uh, volunteered uh, to serve in in uh, uh, different executive uh, pastor roles. But here was a, it, it, and so it's kind of morphed back and forth, you know, uh, into uh, an executive team, uh, one executive person. Now here's something I had a challenge with. And talk to me about this. How, how, how have you dealt with this or how would you uh, um, encourage a pastor to deal with this? So um, you've got a highly relational senior pastor. Uh, staff is now working through day-to-day -day, uh, things through an executive team or an executive pastor. And you know, you've got two or three people that want to go around the corner, come directly to the you know, to the to the senior pastor office, uh, which has an open door policy, which is great, but circumventing the decisions that an executive pastor uh, would need to make. Uh, talk to me about that. What is that? Uh, does that make it difficult to work? How do you how do you get around that? Maybe uh, Mike, you want to speak to that real quick, and then Steve, I'll come back to you. And you're talking specifically about going going around the executive pastor and talking to the senior pastor. And trying to get permission from them. Yeah, because that's where, you know, that's where the, the if you if you didn't get the answer you wanted the first time, you're you're liable to get a good, especially if you have a relationship with the senior pastor. Sure. Well, you know, I think I think for me, um, I, I think there's you can have the conversation with the staff because I, I I think the the difficulty is with the staff that has been there for a while or that's been there from the beginning where the senior pastor was their boss or didn't put it out. So I think you have to have a conversation with the staff, but I think the, the more, more intentional conversation was with the senior pastor, with the lead pastor, to basically sit down with them and say, hey, I love you, and you're doing amazing, and you're the boss, and you can do whatever you want. But I think in order for us to move forward in the role that you want me to play, in order for me to do what you want me to do, in order to do that, like you can talk to them all day long, but man, if you if you they are going to hear your you're amazing as permission. You're gonna they're gonna hear your wow that sounds great as you telling them they can do it. And so and some of that um, what we've asked uh, Pastor Matt to do, and sometimes and sometimes he didn't have to. Again, he is he is the leader. He's the boss. He can do whatever he wants. But I've asked him, hey, if you do give them, if you do tell them, go for it, do it. Either just tell me so that I can let their supervisor know, or if I'm their supervisor, we can know, to help them manage a project. And, it, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like the guide card when people come up to you and go, we feel like we're called to be married and God told us. You can't relate. Well, the same thing with a senior pastor. If they're like, well, he told us to do it, like he just takes all the power away from everybody. And so we've asked them either put us in the meetings with you, so and you can do whatever you want, or make sure we know what's happening. And so, But a lot of the conversation now is, um, that sounds amazing. Go talk to Jen about it. That sounds amazing. Go talk to your supervisor. But that sounds you so you encourage them, but also tell them what the next step is. So that that's been a good uh, a good way for us. But again, that's not it's not a perfect science. And we have a, a such a charismatic leader that sometimes he gets excited. He is such an encourager as well. And so some, but you know, for us, like we're okay with that. If anybody's allowed to do that, he's definitely allowed to do whatever he wants. But it, that being said, and I know Matt, and uh, I, I relate to his personality just a little bit. I'm excited about whatever is in front of me right now. Okay, that, yeah. that's what I'm excited about, or whoever is in front of me right now. And uh, <laughs> so you can just make a mess as a senior leader of, you know, the 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 system, the plan. And I know you know we've got to have liberty to listen to the Holy Spirit, go around the plan. But that's Pulling the God card, you know that ought to be about a once every two or three three year uh, situation. Yes, maybe at the most. Sure. Uh, w one of the things I had to learn, and am still learning, is is to get excited, but to do exactly what you said, is to continue the conversation to say, or when somebody asks me a question, and I know the answer, I know how to fix it, I know what we need to do, to resist and say, you know what, that sounds like a Sean question. Yeah. Or that I remember when my brother was uh, our executive pastor, and I'd say that sounds like a Jeff question. Mm -hmm. And um, learning that came through some very painful uh, sit-downs with executive pastor types of saying, "I love you, but you're just really making a mess of this thing." <laughs> and from the uh, from the other side, I can say being on that <clears throat> side, where oftentimes, you know, I would I would help you, Greg, to kind of 
to do things in that area where you had agreed to do things that other people didn't know yet is it's, it's just helpful to know because the deal is, is if you've done the relationship ramp like we talked about the people that are with you I mean I think I can say with all honesty I was I was with Greg any where, wherever you want to go but if I know I can help get there and so I think what you said Mike is important to for lead pastors to hear is just to for, for us and me in that seat now is just to make sure we communicate what we've promised to other people because oftentimes uh, it's the executive pastor who kind of goes in with the I'm here to be the bad guy so I'll, I'll be glad to be the bad guy and then they don't know that they're being the bad guy when God has spoken and so it's like oh, then you get that card played and you're like okay humble pie let me back up if Greg said that then yes we're definitely gonna do that let me let me go find out more and so I think that communication is huge which comes Kevin from part of what you were saying was you know that relationship going out for sushi together so that it can go oh yeah by the way I told Joe that he can do that project he wants to do we're behind it and now you can go back and be the biggest cheerleader for it that there ever was um, rather than having to, to be surprised so I think that's I think that whole communication piece Mike is huge uh, on that Kevin what would you say in answer to if you if you work for someone uh, like Pastor Greg who loves to encourage loves to like Pastor Matt and maybe your pastor is the same too uh, and then you've got you know that that people kind of coming around because they know I might can get to the honey pot here and get me get a good answer. Uh, how do you guys handle that at Christ Church of the Valley? Yeah, well, it's 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 uh, I I have a little bit to add. I mean, everything you guys are all saying is um, right on. Um, Brian and I will sometimes joke around about how you know how when you're a kid you go ask dad you know, can you do something, and Dad says uh, no, then you go ask Mom and see if you can get a different answer. You know what I mean? That's really what kind of what you're talking about. Um, I, but, I, but I think that the bottom line is that the strategy that is agreed upon by the senior leadership of the church and the senior pastor and the executive pastor obviously are both um, on board with that strategy, and they're both leading according to the strategy, and they have a they have a commitment to one another that they're not going to, you know, turn somebody loose or um, or worst case undermine you know what what the other one is doing, and so part of that uh, weekly Thursday at lunch sushi meeting I was referring to earlier with the uh, with Brian, our senior pastor, is for it's it's a, a very important. He and I rarely, if ever, ever cancel that meeting. It's so important that we're that we are constantly investing in each other and our relationship with one another, and that we're so on the same page that it, when when faced with those kinds of situations, um, we we deal with it uh, well. And that is that well, you know, hey, that's a great. Um, idea uh, let me you know let me think about that let me pray about that let me talk to Kevin about that or vice versa if it's me uh, they're talking to me and you know let me talk to Brian about that and so he and I have that commitment uh, to one another that we're not gonna you know go after or, or initiate some major new thing or say yes to something or even notice something Without touching bases with one another, so it's so there. There has to be an agreement. The short answer is there has to be an agreement on uh, both the senior pastor and the executive pastor's part that going to conduct themselves according to this, you know, set of you know ground rules or whatever you would call that. So what? Um, uh, when should an executive pastor? Um, they know the senior pastor. Are there situations where you've just got to, you know, I mean, there, there obviously are opinions that go back and forth and we won't agree all the time. Are there situations where you've got to graciously say no and how would you do that? Well, either one, either one yeah, of you guys want to answer that? Yeah, I can, I can speak to that. You know, one of the illustrations we use has been very helpful is is the illustration of a sunset. And if we were to all close our eyes and picture a sunset, we would all see a different version of the sunset. And yet, there is a specific sunset, if you will, 
that God is calling you to paint in the canvas of your community. And so the sunset is most clear in the in the, the mind and the heart of, of your lead pastor, Pastor Matt. And so and so for me, I think one of the major roles of an executive pastor is you have to understand the sunset that's supposed to be painted for your church. You're supposed to understand the vision. Like you gotta ask questions like crazy. Like you have to know that. I think that's why the trust and the time is so huge. I think you have to get such a clear vision of what that sunset is and a clear idea of what that sunset is. And I think the, the, the longer your church goes, the closer you get to it, the clearer it gets. But man, you're, the, the executive has to understand that. Now, I think there are times, either through pressure of people, either through um, even just even just ideas that are had, that I think that, that a lead pastor can have, or the person with the sunset in their mind can have, that doesn't feel like the sunset that, that an executive pastor has heard, does not hear, feel like the type of church you want to be, does not feel that way. I think in those circumstances, I think you fight for it. I don't think that's what God wants here. I don't think that's what he, I don't think that's what God has put in your heart. And so you almost have to fight them for what they see. You fight them for what you think they see. Um, you know, and, and so, so for example, one, one area for us that at times can be that way is things like, uh, things like taking up the offering. Um, when, you know, when, when finances are strong, taking up the offering, we want to do it and we have a strategy that we do it and we cast a lot of vision and we don't do a ton of talk at the end or, or, or during, because you can't teach a lot in that zone. We don't feel like you can. And so, and so, but, but man, if we hit a financial bump or a snag, or if we're struggling a little bit, I think the tendency can be, we got to change up the way we take up offering. Cause that, you know, I don't think it does a lot with the way they're affecting offering, but we just have that kind of knee jerk. So whenever we want to touch an element of the server, touch something based on a reaction, I think at times we can get away from the sunset or what God has called us to do. And so, and so in those moments, it's a, I'm not sure that's what we're supposed to, I'm not sure that's the sunset that God really has for this. I'm not sure that's what God has put in your heart. And so you almost try, you almost have to work out what that sun, you have to work out what that clarity is. You have to work some of those things out. And, and so I think, I think, but I think for everything, I think that, you know, one of the, the, the terms that Patrick Lencioni talks about, he says disagree and commit. I think, I think you have to disagree consistently about stuff. You've got to talk about stuff. But, man, if whatever decision is made at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're for it or not. When you walk out the door, you commit to it. You defend it. Even if it wasn't your idea, if you don't like it, if you disagree. Um, you know, and for us, I think that's the beauty of having a team even. I think a team has to disagree together and find it out together and work it out. And then when you leave, you know, I, if everybody thinks this is the right decision and you don't think it's the right decision or, you know, you kind of get outvoted or however your, your system is, and then you walk out. I just think that's probably how the will of God is found and how God's voice is found in the midst of that. And so for me, it's walking out and going, yeah, we disagree. You heard my boy. We talked about it. You heard the concerns. Move it back and forth. And um, and nobody really wins. I mean, the best idea wins in that zone. But when you leave, you have to leave and commit to the idea and fight it out. So I think I think you're fighting for the vision and the heart of the church um, of what you think that, that God has put in their heart, essentially. Um, but I think I think I think they, with a lot of healthy staffs, I think there's so much fighting, and in a good way, disagreeing, uh, uh, going after it, because I think that's how you get the best ideas through that conflict. And so I think I think it has to be there. Okay, what about uh, uh, Kevin? Uh, kind of the the same thing. What do you what do you do when? Um, or is there a time to say no? How do you say no? Um, have you have you guys crossed those kind of bridges? I think you may be muted, Kevin. There we go. How's that? Whoops. All right. So there we uh, go. I would agree, of course, with everything Mike said, and uh, I definitely resonate with that. You know, the bottom line is the bottom line, and that is that um, uh, Brian and I, as the senior and executive pastors, are the two senior leaders in the church. And aside from the leadership team, which is what we refer to our eldership or our, you know, the, the elder board uh, as, aside from them, he and I are basically calling the shots. And uh, if if he has some kind of an idea or some kind of a direction or initiative or decision that he feels strongly about and I disagree with, he and I are going to have a discussion. There's a there's a one-on-one -on -one, uh, opportunity to talk, and uh, you know, like like for example, 
you know, in a staff meeting on Wednesday when we have the whole senior staff around the table and uh, he and I are both there and that's really pretty much his meeting. And uh, I see it quietly for the most part. But I prepare the agenda and and uh, make sure that we, you know, we have everything together for the meeting. But if he decides that he wants to uh, initiate something at that meeting, I don't say a whole lot at that meeting. But he knows, and I know that the next day on Thursday at noon, we're going to have our meeting, which is his and mine. And I will very adamantly disagree with him during that Thursday meeting if I if I don't think that you know the call that he just made on the fly because he and I hadn't talked about it prior is not a good call. He and I will have it out. We'll talk through it. Uh, we'll go back and forth. And uh, hey, Kevin, let me let me break in there. Just thinking about that just yeah. a little bit. Um, do you? Uh, do you find it hard not to stink up the meeting? <laughs> when, when he's, okay, he's, he's on the fly here, and honestly, everybody else in the room knows uh, or, or is paying attention to your body language, to how you're responding, and this is new business, this is new stuff. You know you need to talk to him tomorrow. Uh, do you ever run across that, and how do you handle that? Well, I'm uh, always, uh, as the executive pastor, I'm always very supportive of Brian and, okay. and what he's doing, um, visually and, and otherwise. You you won't, uh, I hope, you won't catch any body language from me otherwise. But I always know that there, you know, there are very few calls that we make on the spot or on the fly, for lack of a better phrase, that are um, cast in stone. There's almost always an opportunity to have a conversation afterward, and before we implement anything, before we go spend money or go make a decision with a particular staff member or you know, etc., to communicate something, whatever. There's almost always an opportunity for he and I to sit down and say, you know what, is that really, wow, is that really the the, the direction that we want to head? Let's really talk this through. And there's always an opportunity to come back to our staff and say, you know what, um, never mind. That's not really where we're going to head. Brian and I talked about that. We don't really think that that's the right uh, decision. And uh, so we're going to do this instead. But, but you know, the bottom line is the, the, the direct answer to your question is that, again, it boils, it, it goes back to trust. Brian and I have to trust one another. He trusts me, he trusts my judgment, I trust him, I trust his judgment, and I trust his motives, he trusts mine, and uh, so, I mean, we're only talking about, you know, one time out of 99, or one time out of 100, where he and I might not agree completely in the moment, and there's almost always an opportunity for he and I to discuss it uh, offline and come to some kind of an agreement, and I can give you a several examples but I won't uh, I won't do that on this particular you know we don't have a lot of time but well, Kevin, Kevin I would say Kevin I would say that, that I'm a little bit of the opposite because because I do have a problem not, not not just sitting back and looking a little bit ticked off like I have to be very aware and there was actually a few years back where Matt called me in and said hey you don't understand when you have an attitude or when your face change like you just like everyone. Every again, everyone's looking to him and you, him and you, him and you. So yep. you're. So I think for me, my other side of like where it's you know, and sometimes and I'm enough of a sarcastic guy that sometimes even my looks are a little sarcastic. So when I'm like just enough to where, so I do have. I actually do have to check that because even when it's on the call and on the fly, because there is a in the in the heat of the moment of we need to do this. Everyone hears. Permission, and I see the list, the to-do list, and I'm like, "What's up? What are we doing?" And so I, I yeah, that's, yeah. that is where I struggle. That's where I kind of, I'm like, "Wow, that's a, we're gonna just change the whole direction right now, and here we go." So that's, and so I have to either, yeah, so I have to watch that and just say yes, woo, and then. But you, but you know, and you're absolutely right, and I, I won't like sit there with this. You know, and make believe. I what I I will speak up and say, 
You know, uh, wow, Brian, dude, that's the first time that you and I have had an opportunity to even, even think about that. If you don't mind, if everybody doesn't mind, uh, why don't you guys give uh, Brian and me an opportunity to talk this over a little bit, and then we'll get, you know, we'll come back next week and we'll talk more about it. And everybody at the table understands what that means. I mean, they yeah, know, that's they that know com- that we're Kevin. That comes from uh, that comes from years of relationship, uh, where yeah, you've been able to do that. Yeah. And if you were if you were Doctor No, where that every you know every time there's this idea, it's well we can't do that or we can't afford this or that whatever. Then then we've got tension. But yeah. one of the things that. Uh, uh, Glenn, who has been on our team, he was the fifth guy to join the team way back in uh, 24 years ago, 23 years ago, um, and he has served sometimes directly at uh, the executive pastor role, sometimes as a team, and uh, he and I know that we have totally different personalities. Uh, you know, I'm the visionary, excited about everything. He's the number guy and the uh, steady, faithful, consistent and uh, um, that that has created tension over 22 years. And I, I think uh, I heard Andy Stanley talking one time about you've got to understand what's a problem to be solved or tension to be managed. And I think there needs to be some tension. Uh, you know, if everybody's the same, one of us is not necessary. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's going to be tension. It's the relationship that, uh, that well, builds it. I, I know with... Uh, Glenn and others who work in his role, uh, I like to say, and Sean knows this, uh, with me, uh, I like to say the answer is always yes. Okay, The answer is always yes. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to do it exactly like you say. They might say, you know, the answer to that question, Greg, is yes. Now, we're probably going to have to approach it in a little different way than what you're thinking right now, uh, which actually is a no. But it's a yes, and it makes me feel better. <laughs> well, and one thing I one thing I've learned with with because Pastor Matt's such a visionary guy, I've had to learn every time there's an idea, I have to shake my yes, I have to say yes, because not all of his ideas are are things we're going to do. But but he needs to feel that you know if it were for me, my personal idea just rushes to the list and how to get it done and what to do, and I get so for us we've kind of the terminology of you live in that thirty thousand feet or do you live on the ground. I have to live up there because, as the executive, I need him to feel good and feel free and feel like he can dream with me in order to. So every, so I have to live up here in that dream zone and allow him to do that, or you know, with me and not because if it was every time I'm like that'd be great. All we have to do is we're gonna call this guy and then we're gonna make sure we do this. We're gonna raise this much money. If that's every time, I mean, that'll nothing kills a dreamer and a visionary like trying to flesh it out when they first have the idea, and so. You kind of have to allow those things to build and grow and move, and sometimes those things don't even—they don't do anything but just give him the, the ability to dream a little bit. Um, I think it's so helpful, and so I've had to learn that because my tendency was—and that's through a lot of conversation—my tendency is always the rest of the list. So I've kind of learned, smile, yeah, that'd be awesome, wow, that'd be great, and I'm trying to push back all the thoughts because I do think you kill it—you um, kill the dream if you try to flesh it out too early. Yeah, and and I like I like how you put it earlier. Um, you don't want to be doctor no. Yeah. And so you you want to get excited about stuff, and you want to uh, you want to exude that excitement with the rest of the staff. And you're you're like uh, Mike and I are. We're the detail guys, and we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. In our head, we're like going, oh, how's that going to happen exactly? And uh, so you know. We're going through that process as things are happening, and through, due to the strength of the relationship, we are always able to come back, talk things through, and come out on the other end with something that's going to work, that's going to get the senior pastor's uh, you know, objective accomplished uh, within the confines of you know, the reality of the staff situation or financial situation or whatever. Bottom line is uh, it's a it's a, a delicate dance. These yeah. two very very important roles uh, within the church, and uh, there's not an ABC. It's we learn to dance with one another, and yeah. uh, it's a great thing uh, for the church for the kingdom uh, when it works. Well, guys, there's so much good stuff. We're at the end of our hour together. 
you know, we could we could probably plow through another hour easily. Uh, let me let me do this. Um, is there uh, if you were going to give some advice to, or maybe there's guys out there, the guys and girls out there that, um, uh, where can I get good information? What are you reading? Uh, what are you excited about? Is there anything you guys are doing individually that might be helpful to others? Uh, just a real quick uh, blush, and, and uh, maybe it's a book that you've read or you, you've referred to some people uh, during our conversation. Um, what, what would you say? What, uh, what are good resources for other people who are doing the same thing? Kevin, start with you. Well, I uh, on my blog, I have a couple of books out there on my... Uh, on the, the shelf of my library that uh, I find very helpful. I mean, uh, the the book uh, was it leading from the second chair uh, that I read early on in my time in this role was very helpful to. It was very helpful in helping me to understand the relationship between the senior and the executive pastor and how how truly unique it is. Uh, the other thing that uh, uh, that I find extremely helpful is networking. Is being a part of a network of other guys that uh, that are you know guys and gals I should say that are in this role that uh, have an opportunity to ask each other questions and and uh, you know uh, we can throw best practices around and we can talk about things and so on up to and including. The relationship with the senior pastor, and so I, I think that it's very important uh, to be to be a part of a network of some sort, as well. I, I can't I can't sit here and say that there's just like you know one book does all or, or a particular read that I've had recently that uh, I felt was you know very strongly that it was, you know would give you everything you need to know. But I, I think that that one book that I read early on, there are a few other ones out there, but that was the one one that really. Uh, uh, hit home with me, and then I think that the, the uh, and and like with most areas of ministry, you're going to be better if you're networked and you're communicating with others that are in your same role, uh, no matter what. And I think that's key to this role as well. Great, Mike. Any uh, advice, uh, books, uh, conferences, anything you want to share? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that, you know, of course, Kevin has his blog. There's a blog called xpastor.com uh, that's really good. It's more of a website than a blog, but it's got tons of resources on it. It's very helpful. Uh, danryland.com, uh, he writes a lot of really good stuff. Um, and then as far as books go, I would say Boundaries for Leaders by Henry Cloud is a terrific book as far as creating the culture in your church. Um, everything by Patrick Lencioni that you can get your hands on is amazing. Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Um, you know, Five Temptations, uh, just all kinds of different books. The Advantage is all those books in one, but I would encourage you to just read as much as you can. There is a great book called, it, it's not a terrifically written book, but the principle is amazing. It's called Making the Noise Go Away. It's the whole idea that you're helping the noise go away and the senior leader, and how do you do that? Um, that's a really good book. Of course, you know, anything that, that Greg Surratt writes is amazing. You know, you just want to get your hands on that. I'm telling you. And then, you know, and I agree with Kevin. One of the greatest things is finding guys that are a step or two ahead of you and and trying to find the ones that you click with. And if you can find somebody that clicks with you that will help be that mentor for you um, and a couple of those guys, man, there is nothing like it. So if you're in that zone, I would say find some people that will, you know, call you back and then ask them tons of questions. Write down 100 questions. Ask them as many questions as possible. And even if they're a senior pastor in their different role than you, man, just ask them tons of questions. I think the way that you're a part of a growing organization at a staff member at any level is you have to continue to learn and be teachable even when you think you've got it figured out. You've got to relearn it and relearn it and relearn it. So uh, I'd say find some guys who know what they're doing and go after it. Well, good stuff, guys. Thanks for being on the uh, podcast today. I really do. Uh, Sean, what, uh, what's coming up next? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, too, real quick, uh, uh, you know, a friend of ours, uh, uh, Pastor Greg, who is uh, so influential in the ARC 
uh, in planning of the ark. Uh, Pastor Billy Hornsby, who went to be with Jesus a couple years ago, has a great book that I still recommend out there. It's still available on Amazon, Success for the Second in Command. Uh, yeah. and you can find that on Amazon.com, uh, and it's, a, it's just a great uh, place uh, to that, start. That book well. is from the war wounds of Billy working with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If you want to hear some old stories. And then as far as ministry hangouts coming up uh, in December uh, with uh, Wednesdays falling on uh, some, some rather prominent holidays, we've got one ministry hangout in December. On December the 11th, uh, we will be talking about the uh, New Year's fast. And so there is a lot of art churches, Seacoast Church, uh, Pastor Stovall Weems has written a book on it, um, and there's to just do a 21-day fast in January just to start the year off uh, in a great way. And we're going to be talking with Hamp Green from Church of the Highlands and some others as well who help implement this fast in their churches of what you can do uh, to start now in December getting ready for that and what to do in January to see that 21-day fast happen in your church. And we think it's something that's really uh, great for your church to do, and we'd love to see more churches across the country uh, starting the year off that way. So that's December the 11th. We'll have all the information you can uh, that you would need uh, to be able to do that 21-day fast and be talking about that uh, on our ministry hangout. Always catch the archives from this and all the other uh, ministry hangouts online at ministryhangouts.com. Join our mailing list there if you haven't already, and uh, we'll keep you up to date on everything that's going on uh, with that. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Kevin. Thank Mike. Thank you, uh, Pastor Greg, as always, for hosting this, and we'll see you guys on December the 11th. Thanks.